You're listening to The Reading Riot. books or what all right well welcome back lydia the book witch to the reading riot hello (laughs) so happy to have you oh anytime kim (laughs) i always know that if i need you on a on an episode you're like yeah girl i'm like i got her i got her i know as long as i'm not working i'm like i can squeeze you in i will we'll make it work honestly it was a rough month in December, so I didn't record one episode last month. Yeah, I I recorded, but I was late in the game for my my interview episode. It's supposed to come out the first Tuesday, aka like today. Um, <laughs> but I didn't record with that author because it was so just like crazy after Thanksgiving, like around Thanksgiving time. So I couldn't actually interview her. And so I ended up sending that out mid month of December. And then I recorded with the person, the author that I have for today's episode, but I still have to put the finishing touches on that one. And so I was just Mm -hmm. like, I mean, the holidays just mess up everything, just messes up everything, honestly. There's, no, it's not productive. Completely. You can't be productive during, right after like the week before Thanksgiving leading up to New Year's. There's no production. <laughs> right. It's sometimes hard to maintain like a podcast and a personal life. Like, cause you really mm-hmm. have to put in the time of energy to come up with mm-hmm. content and then edit that content and then promote and post that content. So I mm-hmm. get it because, you know, this Christmas wasn't the best Christmas of mine, probably the worst in all of my life because, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't with family. We are still in a pandemic. And so my mom didn't feel safe enough to like travel out here. And I don't blame her because it's mm-hmm. like we got airports where people may be sick, you know, then when she comes out here, you know, I'm exposed at my job. So then mm-hmm. I could in turn expose her. So it's just, it was a lot of just being safe about the whole situation. And, you know, it was best just not to get together at all. And it was a rough Christmas. It was a rough New Year's. So I was very thankful for January to come in because (laughs) I just didn't even enjoy the holidays. So I was like, I'm just ready to move on. Let's just move on. Now, do you feel like there's this boost of, because there seems to be this simmering air of like motivation because it is January. It's the new year. We've left 2020 in the dust, in the dumpster on fire. So do you feel like, do you have that beautiful crystallized motivation or are you still (laughs) going? Yeah, I'm not feeling like I'm out of the woods yet. You know, just because the page turned on the calendar. Exactly. I'm like clearing the tree line, if that makes sense. So Mm. (laughs) I'm still making my way out of the woods because 2020 was a very dark year. 
um, especially emotionally and mentally. So, you know, I got in a rut with my book. I haven't, I didn't touch it the whole month of December. I didn't even want to, like, I had some ideas for my podcast for other episodes and I never got around to doing those either. And it was just because I was just feeling so mentally drained. Yeah. I was feeling so unmotivated, not creative. And it was just due to the fact that I was kind of unhappy with how the holidays were rolling out, missing my family and friends who live in other states. So it was just, it it really, it really deeply affected me. It affected Mm -hmm. me for sure. Mm -hmm. Our emotional health is so layered. Like yeah. it isn't just about having the time to do something because if you are not in the right space and you're given time off or you have like a string of days off of work. And so therefore in theory, you have hours of time to do whatever with, if you're not like there, then you're not going to want to do it. <laughs> right. Right. And that was me. That was me. <laughs> It was like yeah. the cherry on top of the 2020 cake, honestly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I totally, totally feel you. I think so many people are experiencing burnout on all the levels with all the different things, whether or not, like, so many of my mom friends are just like, I am so burned out of being a parent right now during 2020 because you can't just like, throw the kids at another family and be like, right. let's do a play date switch. And then I can get some shit done while you are watching my child. And like, all of that is gone. You can't just drop them off at school and then have hours of time before you have to pick them up again. All of that is gone. But regardless of whether or not you are in a situation where you're a parent, there's still incredible emotional burnout right now. And that sucks the joy of doing anything creative. No, it's <laughs> I, true. I look at my friends who are who seem to be being productive, and I'm like, how? How are you being productive right now? Because, like, you know, send me your magic juice. Because I've got, I'm, I'm not being productive at all. Even now, even when I rationally know that, okay, we're in it. We're just going to, this is where we're going to live for a while. We just have to figure it out. Like, it's just, it's not happening. (laughs) No, it's not. And I think, you know, I don't have children, but I am in customer service right now. So Mm -hmm. dealing with telling people, please, can you pull up your mask? Please, can you not do this? Please, can you um, sanitize your hands? You know what I'm saying? Like, just asking basic, like, questions that they should automatically just do in general. It just... It gets to the point where I can't say it one more time. And I'm at that point. I cannot Mm -hmm. say it one more time. And it Mm -hmm. seems like it's common sense, but people don't want to listen to the mask rule. And they're probably just as burnt out about it as I am. But they forget Mm -hmm. I have to say this a hundred times a day. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think that's just where I am and what I'm trying to work through. There are a lot, lot of opportunities I have for 2021. Mm-hmm. But I'm also really proud of what I did accomplish. Like I finished my original work in progress this year for an attempt to get into pitch wars and that didn't mm-hmm. work out, but I still finished it. Yeah. And that was huge. Yeah. And I read 31 books this year. For me, that's a lot. <laughs> nice. Good job. I was killing it during quarantine. But then when I went back to work, I like saw the struggle of trying to read and work and it yeah. and it 
and write a book. Oh my God. It's, it's a lot to juggle. Um, but definitely I'm, I'm proud of myself with that number for sure. I don't have a number because I find that when I'm feeling, when I'm feeling blue or like down, I, I go to my comfort books. Oh, and so I do a lot of rereading of the things that I know are solid and the things that I know I love. And so I don't like, I don't ever really count those in the books that I read, but I will get in, I will get in a span of time where I'm just devouring my favorite books like over again. And no, then I feel that. I feel and then that. I go through that for a bit, like, like right now. Technically, I'm in. I'm in that. December is hard for our family because <clears throat> two years ago, my mother-in-law passed away in October, and then my dad, out of nowhere, passed away on Christmas. Like. Oh, wow. Two months or, you know, a couple months after that. So it was like we were super close to my mother-in-law and super close to my dad. I'm sorry. It was like like getting punched emotionally really, really hard. And so last year was the first holiday season without them. And I think that we had worked really hard on preparing us emotionally. We were like, okay, this is the first – everything the first you know stuff that they are not going to be present at and so we we got through it you know we still had sad moments but we were we were mostly okay and then this year (laughs) this year with COVID it meant that we didn't have any of those like the year before I set up like this big friend holiday party where I was like I just want to be surrounded by people that I love. I want kids to be running around the halls, up and down the stairs, and, like, music to be playing, and just great food and great energy, and it really, really helped. And this year, you couldn't have any of that. So it was super emotional because we were isolated, and then we were reminded of being like isolated from the people that we lost too. And so right. December sucked. So I I turned to all of my favorite books. <laughs> just been like rereading all of my favorite stuff and just sinking very nicely into my like happy place of books. So. No, you need to do that sometimes. Like mm-hmm. in January before COVID hit, I um, I didn't get a job that I really wanted. And I was super down about it because I really thought I had it in the bag. I was so get I was getting excited for it. And then I didn't get it. And I was mm-hmm. so just heartbroken. And I mm-hmm. turned to A Court of Thorns and Roses and I reread that series because that series makes me feel good. And mm-hmm. it got me motivated to write again. So I totally, completely understand the need to fall back to a book that made you feel good because mm-hmm. it's so comforting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So all of those like tracking like Goodreads and my Goodreads app that in theory is supposed to track how many books I read 
it it's not technically how many it's like that only tracks i think it only tracks how many like new books i read <laughs> right so i've got no idea but i read books i did <laughs> i know i read books <laughs> <laughs> i just don't know the number Oh, that's okay though. What um what's on your to be read list coming up here for this year? Uh well, um the book of the month for the Book Witch Club is Ember by Tiffany Hackett. And so I'm finishing that one up. Nice. Um and then I for my Christmas present, I got brand new bookcases. And, um, so I spent uh, the, like last weekend organizing all of my books, which is a thing Ah. that you don't really do very often. So that was a fun, like, go back and see how many books. And so I have a stack that I, that I'm like, oh man, I haven't read I have this book (laughs) sitting on my shelf. It shouldn't take up space if I haven't read this book. So there are a few on there. I think there's like Malice and Buzzkill and a couple of them that that really kind of struck my eye. But it's hard for me to read physical books. I'm way more of an audiobook person. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'd say that... uh, 80% 80% of my books that I that I go through are all audiobook. Um, I really have to push myself to go through ebooks and then push myself even harder to go through physical books because I I just don't have the time to sit and read them, but I can put in my headphones and listen to the audiobook while I'm folding laundry or making dinner or driving to work or any of those other things, the multitasking things that I do. So No, that makes so much sense to me because I use reading two books at once. And when I say that, I mean I'm reading a physical copy and then I'm listening to one because mm-hmm. like you, I have to park my car and walk to work. I can't just park mm-hmm. near where I work. So I listen to a book while I'm walking to work. And then when I'm maybe opening, doing opening duties where I'm alone in an office, like mm-hmm. that's when I listen to my audiobooks. And then when I get home, I'm reading my physical books. So I think it's so interesting that you say that because I really do enjoy the times I do listen to audiobooks, but there have been audiobooks, I swear to God, that have ruined books for me. Like I read from Blood and Ash and that narrator for me ruin the book. I did not, I did not prefer her style of how she narrated and it just made me kind of resent the book, which didn't feel fair to the author. (laughs) Um, but then on the other hand, I'm reading the invisible life or listening to rather the invisible life of Addie LaRue. And that narrator is goals. Like she is so amazing. So I feel like it. you can either love an audiobook for that reason or hate it for the exact same. Yeah, a narrator is very personal. Whereas, right. whereas when you're reading something, either, you know, ebook format or physical format, you are, your narrator voices in your head. And so 
that you, <laughs> you're never going to be like, oh man, I hate the way that this sounds in my head. You know, like the word that you're going to say is I don't like the flow of this story or the way that it is written. Like you get more, you get more persnickety about the writing style because you are narrating it for yourself versus the audiobook. There have been, there have been books that I'm just like cringing every time I listen to them, but I find personally that it's far fewer than I have on the the side of books that I really either love or just don't pay attention to, you know, don't pay attention to to how they're saying it or not. But yeah, no, I totally, I totally feel you there. And I don't know if like, for instance, um, the sequel, was it, is Blood and Honey the sequel? Or is that no, the first one? That's Serpents and Dove. Okay. So the sequel, the second one, I did the audiobook and I started listening to it and I couldn't get very far. And I don't ah. I don't know if it was because of the book, like the story itself or the audio or like the narrator. So Yeah, it was the narrator. I, was you the should narrator. always like re you should always try and like if you don't like one format, but you kind of really are interested in the story you should always try the other format too just to like make sure that it isn't the narrator because you can unconsciously put a lot onto the story just simply off of how someone talks about it and I remember hearing about um the one that you just said ink and blood and blah 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 hearing that people didn't like the narrator for that book like i heard from blood and ash yeah 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 i heard that a few times that people just they started the audiobook and they just couldn't get into it no it was her pacing it was how she said certain phrases and how characters reacted i did not interpret it the same as her at all like the tones and the inflections the characters would or I guess her interpretation of how they would respond. Mm-hmm. I just didn't, I would even sometimes catch myself pausing the audiobook, looking up what it said and reading it aloud myself and being oh. like, I like how I just said it. Wow. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, you know, I just, I think unfortunately for me, it kind of ruined the book. And I don't know if I'm even going to read the second one because I just didn't really even care for the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I may someday, but on my to be read list, I have on there the um, Discovery of Witches. That's a big one I want to read. Mm-hmm. Um, the Cruel Prince, my sister bought me for Christmas. So I plan to read that one. And I think I'm going to read both of those without audio. Okay. Um, audiobooks. I'm going to, though, finish the Throne of Glass series. I did end up buying the audiobooks because I was listening to them at first. And then I ended up like being like, I want to read these physically. Mm-hmm. So I ended up um, listening to both the audio and reading along. But it's because Elizabeth Evans, who narrates the series, is freaking phenomenal. And I <laughs> love her. So, And I think she also narrates... Um, Crescent City, House of Blood and Earth, which I don't know if I could do because when I hear her voice, I think of um, Aelin <laughs> and uh, the characters from the Throne of Glass series. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, anyway, um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but yeah, well, that's you're talking about TV your TBR. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Um, 
I have a question for you. What are your biggest opportunities from 2020 that you want to change in 21? Oh, okay. Let's dish. Um, I am experiencing that thing that you hope never happens to you when you are going the self-publish route. Uh, I have an editor and I've, I've been talking to her for, I swear, years before money actually was exchanged and I sent her my draft. Um, and so I sent her my draft, my first draft, and then it kind of, it came up to the time when it was supposed to come back. And, you know, all of this is in contracts. Like, she's, she's totally, seemingly legit. Uh, and I didn't get my book back. And so I started to like, you know, send messages and send emails and it was silent. And then finally, after weeks, she contacted me and she said that her email had gotten hacked. And so, or, and, or not hacked or like she, she got some sort of virus. This is what she told me. She told me she got some sort of virus. So she wasn't receiving emails. And then all of a sudden she got inundated with, she said 20, no, 3,200 emails at one time. And so she was like, oh my God. So she, she, resent me my because she thought that she had sent me my manuscript back and so I was like this is weird but we did a zoom meeting like I talked to her face to face like we reconnected we talked about the book and I thought okay all right all the weirdness is done we're gonna move forward and I paid for the full big your big big edits that you are supposed to do and in my contract it's like a three round edit possibly four if the book needs it um so I took my edits back I went through them and then I sent them back to her and I was supposed to get them back December 1st and now she's gone AWOL again and I haven't gotten them back and I'm oh no I'm like I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. It's like, like, it's weird to catfish me for two years. So part of me is like, I don't think that it's actually a catfish. But on the flip side, I'm like, what? If I had deadlines, which I don't, because I, this is the first book. And so I've been really, really like, trying to be chill about setting any sort of deadlines because I don't want to freak my internal, you know, whatever out. But if I had deadlines, I would be losing my mind because this is, we are now four weeks after the book was supposed to come back and she has gone missing again. And I'm just like, okay, what? is happening oh my god i would call that woman and be like (laughs) ma'am she's she's in another country and that's the other thing it's like she's on the other side of the world so it's just like her time zone is way different than my time zone and it's just oh my god like what is going on 
You need to change editors. I'm going to just say that right now. Yeah. I have I've decided that, unfortunately, as much as I really do love this gal and I love chatting with her, I'm like, I can't rely on you. Like, if I did, again, if I had deadlines that were with other people for this book, then I would be screwed. Like, so right. I'm, unfortunately, now I have to go hunting for another editor and... It's sad. It's sad because, like, on when you do things yourself, you are in charge of everything. And so when things like this happen, you're the one who has to, to fix it. Instead of, like, if you went traditional, then the traditional people would <laughs> deal with all that. Yeah, they get to exactly. be the ones who, you know, have to message people and be like, what is happening? So... No, that's exactly why I am not going that route. Because <laughs> I just don't have the time and patience to do so. I just don't, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, please let someone else deal with that because that's not my strength. Uh, my strength is creating a story and characters. Your job is to get it all nice and pretty and polished. And that is all on you. Like, like that's how I feel about it. Yeah, I just – I. A lot of it came down to my insecurities about um, knocking on those doors because I know that it's not – I know when it comes to traditional publishing, it isn't simply whether or not I have a good product. It has so – there's so many aspects to what they choose that it would be hard for me to remove myself from the fact that I get a no or a rejection letter, even though I know that it might not be the right genre. It might not be the right, you know, length. It might not be the right story for right now, but in a different, in a different sense, they would take it. And I just, I'm like, I don't want to keep, I don't want to beg and I want my book to be made. And so right. personally, I'm taking the stance of like, well, s- screw it. You know, I know that I have to put money into making it myself, but then I get all of the revenue back when I put it out there. And so I am, I still am a believer in self-publishing. It just, it sucks when you come up against, these are the, these are the pitfalls of self-publishing is that when you don't find the right person, you can get burned. And and as much as you, like, try and vet a person, you can't, you know, you can't always be sure until you actually make the leap and then discover that, yep, that was the wrong person to go with, so. Uh, Yeah, honestly, no matter which direction you go, whether it be traditional or, you know, self-publishing, there's going to be you know, challenges that you face. And I've already experienced my first no with pitch wars. Like I didn't even hear back from a single mentor, which was like, you know, sometimes they reach out to you and say, Hey, I didn't pick it because of this and this and this, like, you know, they could have told me like, Hey, your synopsis was Mm -hmm. weak, Mm -hmm. you know, and I didn't get any sort of feedback. Mm -hmm. And you know what? That's also going to be me when I start querying and I'm preparing for those no's because I know sooner or later I will get a yes. Mm-hmm. And 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 I, I really am a firm believer in fate and 
you know, when it happens, it happens and it's meant to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why for my birthday, I really wanted to, you know, start on my next work in progress because while I query my first novel, you know, I want to have something that I can get that creative outlet with, you know, while I set my other one down. So yeah. I think that's in a way kind of getting me excited mm-hmm. and it'll help balance out the no's with being creative. So, mm-hmm. oh, someone said no to me again, but I'm really vibing on my new book. So I feel mm-hmm. like no matter what, my first novel, novel it's either going to be self-published or t- traditional. No matter what, it's going to see the world and that's how I feel because from what my beta readers have said, they have fallen in love with my story. And all I want is for people to read it. Like at the end of the day, it's not a money thing. It's a reach thing. Yeah. When you're traditionally published, you have a higher reach. And that's mainly why I wanted to go the traditional route because I felt like my story saved me in a place in my life where I needed, I needed my characters. I needed my story to give me like hope. Mm -hmm. and I want to bring that to other people. And that's the whole reason that why I want to go the direction I want to go in. It's just a matter of someone just giving me that chance. And I feel like I've gone through the last several, like the last decade of my life. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I get out of college and it's adulthood, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've faced a lot of hardships within the work environment. And I feel like it's just because I'm not supposed to be in that work environment. This is what I'm meant to do. I feel like I am totally meant to be a writer. I feel like everything that I went through over the past 10 years has brought me to this moment and made it so this is where I like, no matter what, this is the direction I was supposed to go. I don't know if it, if at all that makes any sense. Yeah, no, totally. Point on my book and the direction I want to take it. Yeah, it totally makes sense. I mean, I am a inherently, I know that I am an inherently creative person. Like I, my, I pick up hobbies like creative hobbies and I get really, really into them because I'm just pouring my creative energy into them. And I do like a bunch for maybe a month or two. And then uh, my interest in it fizzles out. And so I have bags of like knitted projects and crochet (laughs) projects and I've done macrame and I've done watercolors and right now it's embroidery and like (laughs) I just get really into something for a little bit but it never sticks the only thing that has ever stuck is writing I've been writing since middle school is when I started writing the very first story that I wrote. Uh, and I, <laughs> I'm probably telling my age, but the first time that they introduced those state standardized testing stuff, uh-huh. they, it, it, it rolled around basically for m- me and my, my generation. And so I remember in seventh grade, it was a big, age because that's when like the standardized testing hit for seventh graders and you had to write like five different types of papers and they were all going to be graded in this very standardized way and one of those papers was just an imaginative fiction paper like write whatever the hell you want to write uh-huh. And I sat down and I only had to write, geez, I think I only had to write like three pages. And I sat down at my computer and I like, I got this inspiration to write this book about, or a story 
because I, I was only trying to write a story. The story about a girl who um, was sailing with her dad and their their ship gets attacked by pirates and the pirate dude like kidnaps her and they go off on these adventures together and I started writing and I got before I knew it I looked down and I had typed out 10 pages of story for a three-page assignment (laughs) and I was like oh crap and that's the first time that I really was hit with a writing bug and then I got the, the thing that you should get when you are a brand new, when you are a brand new starting writer is you need to get amazing feedback. And I, I cut it short. I cut it to fit three pages. So it wasn't this epic long journey. It was just like the pirate's attack. I don't even remember how I ended it, but I ended it. I took it to the my teacher and I always sat in the back because I'm dyslexic and I hate writing when I was in middle school. And so right. I, I wanted to hide from the teachers because I didn't want them to pick on me for being dyslexic. And the teacher started reading my book and we're all sitting at our, our desks doing whatever. And she she looked up and in front of everyone, she said, Lydia. And I looked up and she said, did you steal this story? <laughs> and I, I just blanched. And I was like, what? And she said, did you copy this from somewhere? And I went, no. And then she, like, then something in her switched and she went, this is a really good story. and then everyone in the class turned to me and that has stuck with me for the rest of my life I was like she likes my she likes my story so much that she thinks that I ripped it off from somewhere and so I guess writing I guess that I can write and that is (laughs) so writing has always been there with me and I I'll put it down. I won't be productive, but then I pick it back up and I just, it's my happy place. It's where I I feel the most alive when I can write and I can like nail a scene or nail something. And you're just like, this is the best It is. There is no better feeling than writing a successful scene where you're like, damn, I did that. I Mm -hmm. did that. Mm -hmm. So I don't understand people who don't write. I'm like, how can you not love writing? It's so amazing. It's the same people who don't like to read. And I just don't understand that human either. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a special type of person. Like you just (laughs) haven't found the right book. (laughs) Right. Like you're missing out on a whole side of your imagination. And it just is, it's just sad. So you know what? But Hey, everyone has their talent in something, and we just happen to find and hone ours. Yeah. Well, so my goal is to get my get my edits back from this editor. And then personally, I feel that it doesn't need a whole lot more. Um, she she did 
it's so sad because she did a really good job that first round. I mean, there was so much feedback that she gave me. And so it's just so disappointing that I'm having to go through this with her. Yeah, I don't blame you. Um, That sounds awful. So my goal is to get it back from her and then fiddle with it a little bit more. But honestly, I think that next is just formatting and proofreading and then throwing it out there into the universe. And so... My goal for 2021 is to is to publish Becoming Wolf and get it out there and see what then other people think about the damn story that I've had sitting on the yeah, shelf for years. Yeah, go so. girl. Go girl. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. on that note, I'm going to end it there. But I'm right there with you. That's my plan, getting my story out there too. And for anyone who is listening, if you're a writer, if you're a reader, no matter your goals in life, just stick with them. I think yeah. that's the moral of this episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> stick with them and you can do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can. I mean, with enough. It's not the people who sit and wish on a star. It's the people who get down and actually do it. So, you know. I like it. <laughs> Catch you later.